0: Welcome to the Healing Courageously podcast, where we engage in open, honest, and healthy conversation about everything from addiction, abuse, and recovery, to marriage, family, and spirituality. We hope you find this podcast helpful. Our goal is that you will find a new way of living as you look closer at yourself in these areas of your life, which will lead to a happier and healthier you. Now, here's your host, Randy Boyd.
1: And thank you for joining this episode of Healing Courageously. On this episode, I'll be talking about finding your bliss, finding your bliss. I want to start out with a little something from Joseph Campbell. Renowned scholar Joseph Campbell, who studied the mythologies of people across cultures, races, creeds, geographical borders, ages, and genders, found that the underlying message of all of them was to follow your bliss. And what is bliss exactly? Bliss is a state of supreme happiness, utter joy or contentment. Supreme happiness, utter joy or contentment. Now, supreme happiness is something that I tried to obtain for many, many years. And I didn't do a very good job of finding it. I searched for it in everything but the right places. And the right place was within myself, to be honest with you. Um, that's where we find the true happiness. It lies within ourselves. I think we chase. We chase things, materialistic things that make us happy. And while they can make us happy temporarily, it's the long-term happiness that I seek. Um, I, I, I sought it through the nice cars, the the money, the nice house, the the beautiful wife. I, I, I sought it through all of that. And don't get me wrong, that was all nice to have, but that hole in my soul never went away. So when I went into recovery, one of the things that um, you ask yourself is, how am I ever going to have fun again? Now, I want to take a little break right here because I want to talk today about how we do have fun and how important it is to have fun in recovery. And and I want to do that because the last several podcasts have kind of been kind of deep and intense on some things. So I want to lighten it up a little bit today. And um, it's important that that we find that way to have fun in recovery. We don't need our drug of addiction, our drug of, of choice. And remember, a drug of choice is anything from drugs to codependency, pornography, gambling, alcohol. It, it, and, and what we're doing in recovery is we're, we're working on recovering the person that God created us to be, happy, joyous, and free. Uh, for those of you that are biblical, spiritual, in the Christian form, but not religious, more of a relationship, we, we can find what God wants us to be right in the Bible. It, it says it quite, quite beautifully in there. You know. So... Finding that happiness outside of, of yourself, but yet inside that that will sustain you over time. Growing up, one thing I loved to do is I love to surf. It was something that as soon as we moved to Dana Point in 1969, probably right away I started surfing. and I just fell in love with it. And as I got older, it became my escape from the hell that was happening behind the closed doors of my house. I could escape out into the water and, and literally that's where I could find that that true uh, supreme happiness and utter contentment when I was out there because when I went home, I couldn't find it. I'd get up early in the morning and i and I go out early in the morning and surf. Surf all day. I'd stay in the water all day long if I could. And I definitely stayed out uh, in the evening time until it was dark, because I I stayed as long as I could, because I just didn't want to go home, because the water was my safe place. And then, you know, as I got older, that kind of went away, got caught up in the the, the everyday norms of life. You know, what, what the average person thinks of the bliss and happiness is the success of business, you know, being a being a successful business person, um, you know, making money, nice house, nice car status, all that stuff, which is all that it's nice to obtain, but that's not where true happiness comes in. What I have found, and looking around the people that I, I, I learned this from, or not that I learned, but that I, I looked up to as, as mentors because I had nobody else to, or businessmen all successful. And, but with that success and the status and all that also came a lot of bad. a lot of, you know, parties, a lot of drinking, a lot of um even you know, looking at other women doing things I shouldn't be doing as a married man. Um, that kind of success has a very, very high price tag on it. And, you know, I'm sure there's some of you going to watch this and go, nah, I don't, it's not that bad. well, I have a lot of people that would tell, would say differently. That kind of success has a very, very high price tag on it. And, and I almost paid the ultimate price um, chasing that kind of happiness until I just finally broke because I can't do this no more. So the surfing helped me a lot when I was abused. I loved playing my guitar as a kid. I loved playing baseball. Those are those all things that I loved doing and and other than the, the well, actually, all three of them too. There was a side of it too that I didn't feel like I was ever good enough, and again, that came from the abuse I received at home. Because no matter what I did, I, I wasn't good enough. I didn't have support. Um, I definitely didn't have support when I was surfing because I was told if I surfed on Sunday that I was worshiping the devil. So the bliss, the blissful moments were being taken away from me. I didn't have support on the baseball field from my, my mother and my stepfather. Um, I, I didn't have support playing the guitar. I mean, there's things that happen. I can I list a lot of things that happen that really just took the bubble away from everything that I was doing as a, as a child. You know, it, as an adult now, would I have made those same choices? Probably not as an adult, but I didn't, you know, as a kid growing up, you're, you, everything hinges on. What your parents or your peers are saying, you know, some of your dreams, even some of my dreams, were taken away by my by my parents and my peers, and you know, because I'd have these dreams about things I wanted to do, and they would just they would say, "Nah, you don't want to do that," you know. For instance, my dream was always to be a fireman. My father died when I was twelve, and he was a fireman. At the time he died in nineteen sixty nine, he was the youngest engineer in the history of Long Beach Fire Department. So That's I dreamed. My dream was, oh, I want to be a fireman. I want to be a fireman. And as soon as I graduated from high school, I talked to firemen uh, in Orange County, and back in the late seventies, early eighties, it was pretty easy to get on the department back to get on the department back then. And he just said, just go around to all the different fire departments, introduce yourself, and you ask them for an application. So I did that, and I'm I don't know, probably half a dozen applications I had, and I filled them all out. And about a month afterwards, I get the I get a letter saying that hey, you know, you, you, we want you to come in and test, and it was the civil service exam was what it was, just to see how competent I was with everyday ordinary stuff. It was the first step into the fire department. So my my. My dream, the thing that really made me happy, is, was coming true. And I can remember running, running into my my mother and stepfather, home. I was out of the house at this time, excited about the letter and telling them about the letter. And all they did was, well, "Who do you think you are? You, you're, you're not going to pass that test. You know nothing about the fire department. How how are you going to pass that test, Randy? They just they just let the air right out of my right out of myself, And the deal is, is that, you know, they, they were never there to support me to begin with. Right? I mean, they, they didn't never, at once, that they supported anything that I did. And that's, those are big words when I say never, but that's the truth. So I was just hoping beyond hopes so that maybe this time they would. So, my bliss was taken away from me. So I had all these things that really made me happy and feel good about myself inside that My parents, well, my mother and my stepfather and and some of my peers just didn't support. I always felt less down around a lot of people. Now, I don't think that most people are actively trying to hurt us or even to discourage us from reaching for what truly brings us deep joy. I, I don't think people intentionally are doing that. I think people at a subconscious level are doing it. I think some people just want to spare us the pain of possible disappointment. Now, that, that, that's to me, that makes no sense because we need to be disappointed in life growing up. We need to be disappointed as little children, teenagers, young adults. Even as adults now, we need to be disappointed in order to learn how to deal with those disappointments as, they, as we grow older. If we're not taught to deal with disappointment as a disappointment as a teenager or a young child... We're never going to be able to deal with them. But so they might think that you know they're just trying to keep us from, from the pain of a possible disappointment. Or warning that we might be venturing beyond what they perceive us or what they perceive as our capabilities. Well, how do they know what our capabilities are? We're not them, and they're not us. Our, our peers and our parents, they have to give us a chance. To grow our capabilities, I was perfectly capable. I was physically fit. I, I mean, emotionally, no, I wasn't in a place. I know that today, but here, the, here they are again. You're not capable of doing that. They're squashing the bliss. They're squashing our joy, saying you can't do that. Instead of saying, "Wow, great! Well, just let us know what we can do to help." You know, we're here to help you and support you through this whole venture. Just let us know what we can do, and we're going to be here for you. That's what I've done with with my kids for the best that I can. What they'll do then is they try to guide us back to a sure thing in order to prevent us from failing and being crushed. Listen to me right now. And I tell all the people I met there, I don't believe in failure. I don't believe in failing right or wrong. We make a decision. And we move forward with that decision, whatever it is. If it doesn't work out, it's not a failure. It's a success. Why? Because we did it, and we did it scared. So we got to go back instead of saying it was a failure. It didn't work out. Let's go back and let's look at the plan you had to move forward and see where where the flaw was, so we can fix it, so the next time you can go a little farther. Example on a birthday on a on a, on a, on a My, my, my uh, report card, sorry, my report card. You know, you get three or four A's, you get a B, and then you get a D. Look at the, look at the three or four A's and the B and just praise about those. That's the fir- that's the first thing that we should be doing. Even the child goes, yeah, but Dad, I got a D. Nah, but you look, at look you got the three A's and you got and you got a B up here. We're going to work on the D. We'll sit down and we'll figure out what we need to do to, to get that up to a C. I'm not worried about getting up to B right now. Let's just, on the next report card, let's move it up to C, and I'm going to be here to help you do it. That, that's encouraging. That's going to build self esteem in, in our children. That's not taking whatever bliss they might have. That's teaching our children to respect us out of love instead of respect us out of fear. So, happiness can be found within ourselves. I asked, I asked the question myself, you know, how, how, how am I going to have fun? I remember my daughter, when she graduated from high school, we took her on a Caribbean cruise and I'm on the airplane six months sober. And I'm reading the big book and it just hit me all of a sudden. It's like, wait a minute. My daughter's going to get married. My son and daughter's going to get married. I mean, my, my, my yeah, going to get married. Graduate from high school, they're going to have babies. How am I going to do all this without drinking? How am I going to have fun at a wedding without drinking? I can't do that. And it came, and it, right, right then, it came to me as most time it does. Just, just Randy, just worry about the day, one day at a time. But see the thought: How am I going to have fun without the alcohol, without the drugs, without the pornography, without the gambling? without the codependency? How am I going to have fun? How am I going to do life without with without my crutches? When the big book it says we're not a glum lot. We absolutely insist on having fun. So how how do you find that fun? Well what do you like to do? What what what's what is it that's within you that you always wanted to do that. Maybe you started to do it and then like me, you didn't feel like you were getting the support or you didn't feel like you were any good at it, so you quit. One thing I did for myself is I got in recovery, I worked on myself, and then I don't know, probably six, seven years sober, I think, maybe sooner. I can't remember, time goes by so quick. I love playing the guitar and I wanted to learn how to play this, the uh, the Spanish guitar, And so I gave myself that gift. I told my wife, I says, I want to take these lessons. I've always wanted to do it. I wanted a gift and my sobriety to give to me to make me happy and make me feel good. So I did it. I took lessons probably four or five years. Uh, Anthony Arizaga here in Palm Desert. I mean, the Quinta guy. He was a great teacher. Not only was he, he was a great teacher, and I say that because not one. He was not not only because he was a phenomenal guitar player, knew all the methods, knew all the all the techniques. He had patience, and him and I had some deep conversations about life, and I found out that the guitar and the life have very much a lot in common. But I gave myself that gift It made me feel good that I could do it. And then ultimately, I says, hey, I want you to build me a guitar. Because he he builds guitars. And he says, "Uh, okay, but you're going to build it. So it's sitting right behind my, I guess, I don't know, over my right shoulder here. Might be the left shoulder where you're looking at it. That little white, that white guitar back there. I built that. Took us a year to build. I a lot of pride and joy in that. Sounds beautiful. And also, I find fun things to do. I do a lot of hiking. My son and I do some hunting and fishing together a lot. I get up. I get up where I feel good. I get out of. I get out of myself. I get up in the high country, where I can be close to God. I can be with my son, you know, or my daughter, both my sons. I can be there. I don't worry about the world. I, I leave my worries at home. I go deep sea fishing. I get out on the ocean. There's nothing you can do. You're, you're just out there, and I just focus on what's going on at, at the moment. I cycled my bike across. I went bicycling on a bicycle pedal across America. I found I find peace in that oftentimes. So, I think what happens too is that we, we, we sometimes we look for this happiness. And it's this really strong, like like the really strong happiness, the really state of supreme happiness and and that state of joy and contentment. I think we have this false idea that it's going to stay with us all the time. And that's not true. It can't stay with us all the time. We can learn to deal with life on life's terms and not let it get to us like it might have when we were out on the other side of recovery. But finding that bliss, finding that happy spot is what's made me be able to cope with stuff a lot easier. My wife and I have a condo on, on, on Maui, and we were supposed to take the whole family there last summer and the COVID hit. And we usually go every year, sometimes twice a year to Maui. And I haven't been able to go. She hasn't been able to go. She's busy at work, and we're going to go this April. And, and I can't wait to go because... On the beach in Maui, just with my wife, I find bliss. I can sit on the beach here in Orange County in the, in the summertime, just sit sit in the warm sun. I find bliss. I find happiness. I find peace, contentment. There's, uh, we find contentment within ourselves and that true happiness within ourselves. Number one, I, th- I think that comes when, when our life is so... Well, I got no more secrets in my life. And I have nothing to hide. And I can honestly say that. I've got a really clean slate. If I if I have problems with my wife, I might hold on to my anger for a little bit. But we had some issues last weekend that we had to work through. And I finally told her the other morning. She came in like she always does and told me, good morning. And I said, I'm still really I'm really, really angry at you still. She goes, why? And I go, because the other day. And she understood. She said, I'm sorry. I don't hold on to my anger. She doesn't hold on to hers. I find, I find that happiness just being with my wife sometimes. We've, we've laughed harder than we've ever laughed using any kind of mind-altering substance on, in the last 15 years. Laugh, 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 laugh. We laugh at ourselves." We laugh at each other. We laugh at the world. I'm not saying everything is rainbows and bubbles all the time. That's not That's, a, that's not reality. But yes, we can have fun in life without any kind of mind-altering substance, without the codependency in our life. And, it, and it's, it's laughter that you'll remember, and you won't have to wake up the next morning or the next day, and, what did I do last night? And your buddies come up to you and say something and, oh, man, you were right last night, but you ought to seen yourself. It was like, I, I'd be embarrassed to walk in this county if I was you after last night, although you were hilarious. I mean, I don't have to worry about that no more. In the self-help world, and I love the self-help world. I mean, there's a lot, a lot of very good information out there. It's helped me a lot being around people that are in that, that are heavily involved in that self-help startups and stuff but there is there is one big frustration and, and I'm, I'm sure many of you have have dealt with, dealt with it or felt it and that is that um, there's a lot of well-meaning people and some of them are pastors I mean or, or, and, and speakers and they they toss around a lot of really great sounding ideas. They tell you what you need to do, what you should do, but then they don't tell you how to do what you need to do or they might tell you at the end of the at the end of the uh this the sermon or at the end of the speech or whatever at the end at the end of whatever we'll have a table out back, just go out back and you can sign up for our, our workshops and our whatever, our coaching, you know, things. Um, and we'll give you all the things you need to do, but it's going to cost you money. Now, look at, <laughs> we all got to make money, so I, I, I can understand that. But, you know, what God has given me, there's a saying in the, in, the, in the recovery programs, you need to give it away to keep it. What God has given to me if I don't give it away, give it away. I won't keep it. I didn't ask for it. He gave it to me freely. People in my life gave me a lot of stuff freely. I paid for my my therapist, yes. And when people want to come see me for certain things, they're going to pay for it. But I I give my stuff freely to people when I can. It's really not that simple. <laughs> It's really not that simple, I mean, I'm sorry, I apologize. It's really not that hard to take a step in the right direction. And and the first step would be, I can tell everybody this, is you need to reach out to somebody that you know is walking the walk that you want to walk. That's walking the talk. Too many people just hear about somebody or they see them once or twice and they'll go up and say, I want you to do this. And I was always told, hey, make sure that when you pick somebody to mentor you, to coach you, to sponsor you, watch them for a while. Make sure they got what you want. Make sure they're kind of on the same path that you you want to be on. They might not be perfect for you. That's okay. They might be completely opposite for you. That's even better. You just got to do it with an open mind and be willing to. Because see, on this path, when we've been brought up so much by parents and peers that seem to crush everything we do, we get that so ingrained in our head and in our mind, and in the fiber of our being, that even as adults, we have a hard time making, the, sw- making the, the swap, changing our attitude, right? I always tell everybody this. You've done everything perfectly in your life up to this point. Perfectly. Because you're here. You're talking to me. You could have done one thing different in your life. You might not be here. You could be six feet under. You could be in jail. A number of different things could have happened. Everything that you've done to get here, God has given you an innate survival skills. It's an ability to survive. They've worked for you for this long. They've developed that. They've made you who you are. And those are not all bad things. Some of them probably need to go. You need to just really need to think about some of them and uh, different things. Some of them we just need to refine. A lot of a lot of uh, business habits we might have gained over the year. Th- those are good. They might just be needed. They might just need to be refined. We can't. If we want to find happiness, we have to start standing up for ourselves. We have to. We have to start saying no when we mean no and yes when we mean yes. We have to be, start asking for things that we need in our life to be met, to be met. We can't be passive-aggressive about this stuff. Because it's not just going to come. We have to go out and we have to find it. What are you going to do? What do you like to do? Are you an artist that, you know, maybe put your art stuff away? I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not you. And I'm talking to a computer right now. One thing that an artist can do. That I, I encourage him to do. Sometimes we have this darkness inside of us still, and this pain inside of us. If you're an artist, what what a what a way to get it out of there! Just paint your anger, paint your pain until it's gone, and then also, don't only that, paint your bliss. Imagine what it would be like just to be free of the the anger and the resentment and the pain that you have inside of you. You can. I guarantee you, you can because I am. And I had a lot of it in there. But just imagine in your head what it would be like. And then paint it. And let it be a reminder of what you can have if you work for it. Use your art as part of your healing. want to play the guitar? Play the guitar. What do you want to do in life? You can have fun. You can laugh. You don't have to be serious all the time. You know, it's hard to find our authentic self. Really hard. And I think what I'll do is, is, is... I'm going to end end this today not yet I'm not it, but I'm going to end this I want to read you something it's in my book and following the Finding, Finding authentic self chapter 13 but I'll, I want to read this and and I'll, um, I'll close with this and, and an explanation with the time I have it's an excerpt um, dr. Alan Berger gave this to me um, on understanding the true self we are we are each born with a true self which is like an acorn. The DNA of the acorn has all the programming necessary to grow into an oak tree. Yes, it will be like other oak trees, but it will also be unique. According to Dr. Karen Horney, one of the unheralded geniuses in psychology, you need not and in fact cannot teach an acorn to grow into an oak tree. But when given a chance, its intrinsic potentialities will develop. Just like the acorn that is generally programmed to become a unique oak tree, we we are programmed to become our true self. It's already planted in our DNA. Jesus has already put it in us. We're programmed. The difference is the oak tree can't be influenced like we can. Given the proper set of circumstances, we will develop the unique forces of our real or true self. We will develop the ability to experience the depth of our own feelings, thoughts, wishes, desires, and needs. We will develop the faculty to express ourselves and spontaneously and respectfully relate to others. And spontaneously, sorry, we will learn to equally honor our need for togetherness and our need to be ourselves, we will become. To, we will come to realize our own set of values and purpose in life. We will be able to tap our own resources to satisfy our needs and to regulate ourselves by soothing our pain and our disappointments. We will develop a solid yet flexible self and an acorn cannot reach its true potential unless it grows in a nurturing environment and climate which have to provide certain critical elements there needs to be an adequate amount of sunlight and water and the soil needs to contain certain ingredients certain nutrients these nutrients can, if these nutrient conditions are adequately met then the acorn will eventually become what it is does they, hey, sorry then the acorn will eventually become what it is destined to be, a beautiful oak tree with a set of unique qualities and characteristics. However, the developing acorn cannot be exposed to harsh conditions until it is well-rooted and has matured to a certain point. The conditions of successful human development are are highly similar. Like the acorn, we have basic needs that must be satisfied for us to thrive. We need shelter, food, and water. We need a secure and warm attachment that will provide us with love and nurturing. We need to be seen and celebrated. We need an intellectual and spiritual stimulation. We need encouragement and empathy. And we need to be protected from traumas or abuse. I want to say that again. We need to be protected from traumas or abuse. We also need a certain amount of healthy friction with the wishes and wills of others. We need to have expectations placed upon us. But these expectations can't be beyond our, our reach. If these conditions are adequately met, we will develop an inner security and an inner freedom that enable us to be responsible to our own feelings and express ourselves accordingly to, to who, really, who we really are. We will be able to support ourselves and stand up for ourselves and we will grow along spiritual lines unfortunately this rarely happens i thought that is just when i when i heard uh alan present this at one of the conferences i was at it just it was couldn't have been said better because just like the acorn we need that, that proper nourishing and so many of us do not get it. it's like he says it rarely happens that we get all that proper nourishing, um, you know. That we get. That that we. That we get the. I'm sorry. I'm looking for you. Uh, that. we need shelter. We need food and water. Most of us get that. Some of us don't. We need a secure and warm attachment that will provide us with love and nurturing. I didn't have that, and I know a lot of a lot of people didn't have it. I know a lot of people that say they did have it. When it comes down to it, they'll tell you they didn't have it. Um, we need to be seen and celebrated. We need to be seen and celebrated. That's that's how we find our bliss, right? And we need intellectual and spiritual stimulation, and we need encouragement. See, intellectual and spiritual stimulation. I I, I never got that because. If I didn't do good in school, I just got beat down even further instead of how can we help you? And when it comes to the spiritual part, huh? I was going to church, being raised in a born-again Christian family, and I was being molested by the deacon of the church, a member of the choir, which is my which is my mother and my stepfather, that were going to the church. And the pastor just said it was part of growing up. So I was receiving none of this. And I know there's a lot of other people out there that weren't receiving any of it. And especially the spiritual part. That's why they turn their back on God. I, I'm dealing with it all the time. They're, they're my favorite people to work with because I, I, I've been in their shoes. And most importantly, we need to be protected. We need to be protected from traumas and abuse. We don't need to be traumatized and we don't need to be abused. So when that happens, it's no wonder we can't find bliss. It's no wonder we can't find that that. that deep, internal happiness. How are we supposed to? How are you supposed to? How was I supposed to? But today you can. Even if you're not in recovery and you're listening to this, you could be struggling with this. Find what you want to do and just do it. Do it for yourself. I'm married I got kids. They respect me more. My wife, she does stuff for herself. Great for her. We need to be allowed to be the people that God created us to be. It's in our DNA when we were born. And because of things that people And the people could be parents, grandparents, aunts and uncles, brothers, sisters, coaches, teachers, because of what they interject in our minds. And if we're not strong enough to say, no, I disagree with you. And that generally will only come if we have a good father in our life. Then we're going to let people crush our dreams and crush our bliss. So find something you want to do. Have fun in life. It's okay. It's perfectly all right. There's nothing wrong with it. Loosen up. Relax. You know, go out back, play with your dog. I did a report leadership class, and we were in downtown. uh, I think it was Phoenix, and they had us go around like four year old, like little four year old kids. Let your inner child out, and we're adults. I put on a shirt that was, I wear extra large, I put on extra small. I got it on. We're going around having food fights. We're we're, we're in toy stores. The the whole town knew that we were, what we were doing. Well, we acted like little kids. There's 12 of us out there. Just like a bunch of little four-year-old kids having fun. Do it. When was the last time your little child inside of you had fun? When was the last time you ever had fun? I mean, really, really have fun, where you're exhausted because you had so much fun, not because you were out drinking and partying. So you you can read more about this in my book, Healing the Wounded Child Within. It's available on Amazon and paperback, Kindle, and uh, Audible. And you can also visit our websites. We have CourageousHealers.org. We help men and their families heal from the scars of sexual abuse, and we also work with women. And we also have our life coaching, changeyourlifestorynow.com. You go to either one of those, hit the contact page, shoot me an email, uh, what you're looking for, if you need help, and then uh, I'll get back to you and we can set up a time to see if I can help you. And remember, if nobody loves you, or if nobody tells you they love you today, that Randy does. But more more importantly, God does. And God wants you to be eternally deeply blessed, happy, and content. Be blessed, everybody. Have a great whatever you are It could be morning, noon, night, wherever you're at. Just make it a great one. Thanks for joining me today. I appreciate it.
0: This has been Healing Courageously with Randy Boyd. We will have a new episode every Monday. Please like us on iTunes or Google Play. If you would like to know more about the services available from Randy, please visit him at changeyourlifestorynow.com. Thank you for spending time with us. We'll see you next week. And remember, if nobody tells you they love you today, Randy does.